I have a few announcements to make. The second one is very important, so don't just skip this. The first announcement is to debase myself by stating that I have been totally remiss in my duties. I haven't really emphasized how thankful I am to you for listening to this. Thank you. I understand that you're probably busy, and taking the time to listen to me is competing with dozens of other tasks. I greatly appreciate your listening. Second, I set this podcast up rather hastily, and I didn't think things through thoroughly. I thought it would be an experiment that would probably fail, but it's turned out way more successful than I ever imagined. As a result, I have to move to another server, because I've exceeded my maximum bandwidth of my current service. This change will require a small effort on your part that hopefully won't be too inconvenient, and it's all just because of I stupidly set things up the wrong way. I'll release another episode that describes more, but within the next two weeks I'll have to move. My site may or may not go down within that time. And so far, I've always been able to respond to all my emails, so if you email me and I don't respond within a day or two, then it may have gotten lost in the shuffle. Just send it again. I plan to be moved over before the end of October. I'm going to try to do a Halloween episode next. Third, I saw an interesting comment made about this podcast. Basically, someone didn't like the fact that I don't back up my comments with studies and more facts. I want to emphasize that I'm not going to ever do that. Why? Because studies, statistics, and such can be manipulated to make points either for or against your belief. How many people point to scientific evidence of God? How many people point to scientific evidence disproving God? Humans can find evidence for just about anything. I'm only hoping to show maybe a different viewpoint or way of thinking. In addition, sometimes the people that do interpret evidence lie or just fail miserably in their jobs. And this final blurb is quite serendipitous to this episode's topic. What's the status of the Armando Project, Jake? Unchanged. Unchanged? But we're a month behind. Well, it seems there's a phase disruption in the main reactor core. It's creating a buildup of plasma in the discharge units. This plasma buildup is increasing our drag coefficient, thereby reducing efficiency. In addition, there's a coolant leak on level 14. Our initial tests show that not only is this generating more heat, but our ionic relays are functioning only intermittently now. Further analysis- What the hell is Jake talking about? That has nothing to do with anything talking out of his ass again. I'm the one who investigated the phase disruption. It wasn't in the main reactor core, it was in his bathroom, and it only affected the exhaust fan, causing it to burn out. And what does our drag coefficient have to do with anything? We're inside a stationary brick building in a strip mall between a deli and a jazzercise studio. And I heard one of the rooftop air conditioning units had a coolant leak, but that was over two months ago and would only have made the building unpleasantly warm. That has no effect on our project at all. The only reason we haven't made progress is because Jake doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And that was when I realized that the blockage was deflecting the tetrion particles, leaving us with the deficiency in verdoron pulses. I strongly feel that once we can overcome this last hurdle, we can bifurcate the team so that each group can make separate progress. Well, keep me posted, Jake. We anticipated technical problems, so don't worry about it. Have you ever worked with someone that was... Well, how can I say this in a nice way? It was utterly incompetent, yet your supervisors thought this person walked on water? I don't just mean someone that isn't good at their job. I mean someone that is terrible at their job, and yet, few people seem to realize how awful this person is. Have you ever worked with someone like that? I have. Several times. The first person that I discovered was doing this led me to a startling conclusion. That every industry has incompetent individuals. I'm not saying that every industry is full of ineptness, 
I'm saying that in every career, there is a small percentage of people who don't know how to do their jobs and manage to convince others that they are very adept, especially in careers that require higher education. I call this concept the B-centric universe, named after the first incompetent individual that taught me this lesson firsthand. Sorry, I had to bleep out this person's name. I feel that letting that out will come back to haunt me. I'm not certain I can convince you that incompetent people in highly skilled jobs exist. Either you've met people that really didn't know their own job, or you haven't. If you haven't, no offense intended, you're either very naive or have just been lucky enough to have no experience with these ham-fisted bastards, and I envy you. Time and time again of running into these people has finally beaten down my hope for mankind. But let me point at something. A passing grade at most U.S. schools and colleges is a C, which is numerically a 70. That means that you only have to know 70% of the subject matter that you're studying. That means that you can be ignorant of 30% of the information related to your degree. 30%! That's nearly one-third of the knowledge you are imparted is gone. Poof! But wait, I misspoke there. I said you only had to know 70% of the subject matter that you're studying. The problem is, it's uncommon to take tests that actually test 100% of what you're studying. Therefore, you only have to know 70% of what you're being tested on. What you're tested on is not 100% of what you're taught. So if, say, you're only tested on 75% of the material, a C would mean that you know around 50%. That's half of what you're expected to learn. I'm not trying to dog the education system. That's another topic for another day. As a side, I personally don't necessarily believe that most modern tests are an accurate reflection of how well you've learned the material. And I'll acknowledge that some schools have higher standards. But if you think that a degree means something, realize that you can get a degree and be unfamiliar with at least 30% of your degree's subject, and probably a lot more. That doesn't mean that anyone that gets a C is missing 30%. As I said, modern testing has flaws. I'm only pointing out that worst-case scenario is a C means you're missing a lot of information, and a C is a passing grade. But I do have to hammer one more thing in. The human brain is flawed. It has terrible memory. So even if you get a C in every class, does that mean that after you graduate you remember all of that whopping 70% of information that you learned? I would argue not. I suspect numerous people ace a class and then don't remember anything from it after they graduate. You can get a legitimate degree from an accredited school and still not know that much about your career. I haven't even gone into the fact that some people cheat as well as some people are just good at taking tests and then forgetting everything. As for a cheater, that 70 may be the best they can get even from cheating. Now let me throw one more thing into the mix. In many careers, you only need a degree in any field to get your foot in the door. Once there, you can move around within the company. I'm saying you can get a degree in gun repair and eventually wind up in a job in, say, marketing. Work experience is often considered more valuable than school training. Yes, I know there are certain fields that require certification, such as doctors, lawyers, and civil engineers. So these fields may be less affected, but not impervious. People can just squeak by these certifications, or even cheat. And if nothing else, they may not directly do the certified work, but just become a team member with others who are certified, such as, say, a manager. People who really aren't capable of doing their job are nonetheless getting paid to do their job. These people often have a very detrimental effect on their team. Sometimes these people know better and just blend in, try not to make waves, because they recognize their deficiencies. 
But it is the others that make up the centric universe concept. The people who don't know what they're doing and either they've convinced themselves that they really are a valuable asset or they've made an enormous effort to hide the fact. And it is these people that I want to discuss. These people are what I'll call the concealed incompetence, and they're very difficult to spot. Let's push this concept a little further to other careers. And just to make sure I'm not misunderstood, I'm not saying that everyone is an idiot or that any single career is full of idiots. Idiots can get into any job, either by legitimate means, cheating the system, or by knowing somebody, by, like, by being friends with the boss. Flashback to just before Bob Hope's birth to the building of the Great Pyramids in Egypt. While many people think slaves built the pyramids, there's evidence suggesting that it was a paying job, or at least a way to work off taxes. But hey, that's historical, so you should question it. But for the sake of argument, let's say it was done by non-slaves. Consider the following. A man named Caesaram is standing next to several other men as they attempt to push another 10-ton stone up a hill. He occasionally helps push it, if for only a moment, then comes around to the side to look at it. To the untrained eye, he appears to be deep in thought, perhaps trying to develop a better way to move these giant stones. Methoni has been working with him for the last five months, and it's all too obvious what Caesaram is doing. When Methoni first worked with Caesaram, he was convinced Caesaram was onto something. He kept referring to fulcrums and pulleys and harnessing the awesome power of camels with lemons. But as the weeks went by, Methoni has heard that tired rhetoric till he just wanted to impale Caesaram on an obelisk, or at the very least, shove an asp into the backside of his robe. Today, Methoni was in a bad mood and simply couldn't take it. He said to Caesaram, You know, this stone ain't gonna move itself. Now help before your sandals sprout roots. Oh, he knew that was a mistake. The words just bounced off Caesaram, and now Methoni looked like a jerk. You see, new people came and went on his team. So few of them had the month's experience to see that Caesaram was full of Egyptian crap and just didn't have a clue. He was just lazy, and rather than put in his fair share of work, he always appeared to be working when in fact he was doing nothing. He spouted a lot of scientific-sounding words in a sequence that almost made sense. It was just off enough so that many were afraid to question him for fear that it would make them look stupid. And so it is in this fashion Caesaram worked on the pyramid for three years. Then one of his Egyptian supervisors was so impressed with his apparent attention at detail and obvious leadership skills that he was promoted to head whipmaster and was given his own chariot. Now he was in a position of authority, and all he had to do was tell others how to do their job, of which he knew nothing. And that is why the pyramids took 30 years to build instead of 10. If you think aliens built the pyramids, just substitute Methoni with Goran and Caesaram with Zamfir, and it's basically the same story. I doubt aliens would have evolved past the lazy good-for-nothings of the universe. Some incompetent people are quite ingenious when it comes to getting out of work. One almost thinks they expend more energy keeping out of work than doing it. One really good technique is to appear to be working when in fact you're doing nothing. If you're in an office setting, you'd be surprised how busy you can look if you always carry a pad of paper with you and walk with a purpose. Walk like you're about to break into a jog because you're late for that quarterly meeting. The pad of paper just validates that you're in fact busy. Why would you be carrying that around unless you're planning on recording meeting notes or possibly break into an impromptu origami class? Oh, this technique is greatly aided if you dress professionally. Glasses just complete the picture. If you're on a construction site, you can incessantly circle the building holding a hammer in one hand and a big box of nails in the other. You go up and down the stairs asking where Jack is. Regardless of your profession, asking simple questions can always kill a few minutes. Especially if you intentionally ask the wrong person, knowing they'll redirect you to someone else. 
especially if you know they don't actually know who to direct you to. If you can find a sufficiently technical question, you might get to talk to four or five people before either getting the answer or hit a dead end. Throw a few restroom breaks in between talking to each person, that could kill a couple of hours a day. Hey, do you know what the tension on the pull cord for our baby bitches a lot doll is? I just worked on the eye movement. Maybe Jerry would know. Hey, Jerry, um, do you know what the tension on the pull cord is? I just worked on the attaching the ring to the pull cord. Maybe Joel would know. There are some careers where, hold on, I'm going to rock your world. TV and movies have lied to you. People enter these professions not to make a difference or because of some calling. There are doctors that didn't want to find a cure for bleeding rectal disorder after they watched Grammy spend her remaining retirement money on clean panties. There are policemen that as a child never witnessed the savage beating of a guy dressed as Donald Duck at Disney World and swore to put away the bad guy someday. Some people only enter a profession because it beats sleeping in a ditch. If you're lucky enough to have an enjoyable profession, especially something creative, something where you actually have passion about what you do, where you look forward to going to work every day, it's downright depressing when you meet someone at work who only does this to pay the bills. You probably find these people hard to understand. Let me give you an example. I've heard civil engineers state that one of the reasons they got into the field was they liked the idea of designing something that would outlast them. The idea of designing a bridge that could be as iconic in their city as the Golden Gate Bridge is to San Francisco is something that excites and motivates civil engineers. Unfortunately, reality soon sets in and they find themselves designing bridges that cross a retention pond to give access to a new gay-friendly bookstore in the Rainbow District. But the reason they got into the business was a passion to design something and although these bridges aren't famous, they know they'll still last for decades. And at least the underpass might become famous. And then they run into someone who only got into this business because their high school guidance counselor suggested it. This person freely admits that they never gave civil engineering a thought, but figured, eh, it would pay well. They seem more interested in getting home so they can get themselves a beer than discussing the support system. This unmotivated person managed to get a degree, but clearly does not possess the skills for their job. Despite their inability to actually do the job, this person doesn't want to lose their job, so they make great efforts to appear useful. And unless you work directly with them, they're often very successful getting praised for the work of others or simply making common ideas seem grandiose. So how can you spot one of these individuals? It's very difficult, and it's really just a series of red flags that when you look at the overall picture, you might start to notice something a little odd. Here's a few of the techniques that these people use. One of my personal favorites... I mean, most frustrating, is when someone talks extremely and unnecessarily technical. Well, not really technical, but they want it to sound technical, when it really isn't. They never answer questions simply and have to use the largest words they can. They will then combine that with just plain vagueness. Gentlemen, it seems the public has recently discovered that our rich and creamy nugget filling is really made from pillbug milk, and apparently some people find that offensive. I need ideas, and I need them now. It occurs to me that the production of necessary shrouding techniques could be utilized in an effort to reduce the quantity of visible aspects of our mission. You see how the answer didn't add anything? It said nothing, but on the surface sounded complex. These people hide behind overly complex wording. Sometimes, this is merely a stall tactic. You sound competent, hoping that someone will probably finish your thought for you. Often this means stating the obvious, but with such confidence as to make it appear that the entire question should have even been asked due to the obviousness of the answer. This makes you appear intelligent and esoteric, adding a mysterious quality to your work. 
Sir, we have a squadron of agitated, mutated wiener dogs at your disposal. But how will we get past the enemy's defenses? We will locate their weak spots and attack. You're right, sir. If we approach from the western flank where they have few soldiers, the Katorans won't know what hit them. Launch wiener dogs on my mark. You see how the idea of locating the enemy's weak spots was obvious and not really a solution. In fact, it was almost just restating the problem. Another technique of theirs is to subtly change the subject. You ask something of them that they don't know enough about to fake, so they talk about something else and it just appears to be a misunderstanding. But they still save face because they look like they're making connections between things. Panthro informs me that the front strut assembly is repeatedly failing on the thunder tank. It appears they simply aren't strong enough to support the new blasters. Any ideas, Lion-O? Well, that brings issues of weight distribution as well as the added cost to the manufacturing process. The extra weight will also require more thundrillium to power us. I'd better go consult Snarf on our thundrillium reserves. You see how it sounds like the person knew what they were talking about, but they didn't really address the issue. One of the easiest ways to catch one of these people is to talk to others who work with them and discuss each of your conversations with this person. Why? Because one of their favorite techniques is to regurgitate other people's ideas as their own. Jim asks Tanya, What's this I hear about the box being more nutritious than the Lucky Charm cereal inside it? Tanya replies, Oh, that's not true. The Mythbusters even did an episode on that to disprove it. In addition, the box has ink printing on it, which isn't fit for human consumption, and has been known to cause temporary blindness and hairy palms, as well as a mild desire to watch Hee Haw reruns. Later, Corbin says to Jim, Hey, isn't the cereal box better for you than the cereal inside it? Jim replies, Oh no, that's a common misconception. In fact, it has been determined during clinical trials that not only is the box less nutritious, but the ink on the sides of the box have been known to be the cause of several disorders, including blindness. Often, they leave out important issues, but it's enough to make them look smart, and you'll rarely know unless you ask your coworkers. Another technique they use is to solve a common problem in a common manner, but to make a big damn deal about the problem and the subsequent solution so as to appear much more intelligent to those who are less knowledgeable, such as your manager or an ancillary team. After I figured out the routing address, I needed to understand the matrices better, but when I went to the office, the lacking of visible EM frequencies prevented me from ascertaining the location of obstructions. I eventually realized that through careful fondling, I could activate the wall-mounted lever, thereby turning on the overhead luminescence system. So the lights weren't on, and you turned them on. These are definitely not certain signs of incompetence. Just red flags. Almost everyone does these things from time to time anyway. You really have to look at their results. But they hide behind their long-winded speeches and ramblings. After seeing these flags, really look at their output to determine if they really understand what they said. That's where they get tripped up. They can sound good, but they don't know how to do the job. Really good ones will find ways to get others to do their job for them, though. Concealed incompetents are capable of hiding in every industry. Sometimes we assume that certain careers are simply immune to this. I suspect it's more common to think that incompetency is mostly prevalent in management positions and blue-collar jobs. Management because, well, enough people have had experience with managers that aren't as knowledgeable as they should be, and blue-collar jobs because, well... Because it seems easier to say that someone that hasn't had a higher education is dumb. Which is funny, because you don't learn intelligence at school. You learn facts and hopefully how to think for yourself. Just so my personal stance is clear, I have no bias that college equals knowledge. I have worked with too many master degree holding morons that couldn't pour piss from a boot if the instructions were on the heel to believe that. And yet they got that piece of paper. So what are some other fields that are not immune to concealed incompetency? 
Yet again, so I don't get a flood of angry email, I'm not saying these industries are filled with incompetency, just that they have their fair share. So how about medical doctors? Yep, they have their share of boobs. This is an interesting field because doctors can easily convince people of their intelligence even when it's missing. First off, for some reason, many people hold doctors on a level above mere humans. Somehow they see them as something more. They're just people. They make mistakes like everyone else. And honestly, if you place weight on a statement simply because it was made by a doctor, well, then you need to have your head examined. By another doctor. Seriously, when your life is at stake, don't just take someone's word for it. That brings me to another big reason why this field is particularly susceptible to incompetency. There's not a clear, defined consensus for many medical issues. Ask 10 doctors what constitutes a healthy diet, and you'll get many answers, including one that will just say, eh, it depends on your personal needs. A doctor that doesn't know what he's doing can easily hide behind this. All he has to do is say something that sounds good, and there's probably someone who's going to back him up. And just to help them cover their asses, at least in some places, doctors are required by law to have malpractice insurance. Think about that. How many jobs require you to obtain insurance to cover you when you make a mistake? Yeah, there are some, yes, but, but I still think this is interesting. It's an admission that severe mistakes will happen in this field, either by accident or incompetency. This environment makes it easy for bad doctors to hide. The system is already set up to not only allow them to continue, but to compensate for their errors by way of insurance money to victims. And just to propose a hypothesis, it has long been my opinion that some, some doctors only become doctors because their parents were wealthy and can afford to pay their child to go to school for seven plus years. The child, who might be a spoiled brat, only agrees because he's told he'll make lots of money. He has no passion or desire for the job. He never made a decision. His parents made it for him so he could be successful, which is defined as rich in this case. What about coroners? One of their primary duties is to simply pronounce that someone is dead. Some are medical examiners where they determine the cause of death. You'd think that you probably wouldn't be wrong too often when you pronounce someone dead, especially if their head is in a ditch and their body is in the grill of an 82 Ford Bronco. But think that some of them could be utterly incompetent. Most of the time, their assessment isn't used for much other than making the family understand things. On occasion, this information is used for an investigation for homicide. Whoa! That's where incompetency causes problems. Sure, the defendant is cross-examined, but you really need to question the medical examiner's results. And good lawyers do. Realize that innocent people have probably gone to jail and guilty people have probably been set free due to incompetency in this field. On a related note, think about this. There's probably some incompetent serial killers out there. There's a silver lining to this problem. They've planned on killing prostitutes and overly helpful women in parking lots for years, but they got caught after their first victim all because they really sucked at their, quote, job, unquote. Hey, ever seen a movie that had terrible special effects? The kind that make 1997's Anaconda look good by comparison. Well, of course not, because that movie had the worst special effects ever. I mean, worse than the giant robotic spider terrorizing the Old West and Wild Wild West. Realize that they probably had some incompetent special effects artist. There were probably people telling them on the set that this looked terrible and the special effects guy just wouldn't listen. Or maybe they just didn't know how to work the computer program. Or maybe it was the fault of the editor. His editing ruined the most perfect effect in the world. Or maybe it was the cameraman's fault. He just didn't move the camera right. Hell, maybe the director told him to do something stupid and the cameraman and cinematographer were thinking, what a mistake this is. Yes, the movie industry has incompetency. Are dinosaurs real or just a figment of your imagination? 
What about clay pots from ancient Indonesia? Even archaeologists and paleontologists have incompetency. I suspect, but I'm not certain, that many of them spend their time trying to get funding for various expeditions. That could lead to much begging from corporations that may not entirely know your field. It would sure be easy to BS your way through something like that. In fact, these concealed incompetents often have a lot of charisma that's part of how they hide. This same charisma that helps them hide their inabilities is the same charisma that actually gets them grants, which sadly make them more likely to get financial aid than legitimate scientists. That would surely tick off the hard-working scientists slaving over a hot bone in the dry New Mexico desert who'd rather go to Africa on a dig. Just look at that bastard. Who's he think he is? Indiana Jones? He just got a grant from Coca-Cola to find Hitler's brain in the Amazon. Everyone knows it's either in Switzerland or Michael Jackson's closet. Here's an interesting one. We base much of our knowledge of the past on writings we find. Sometimes we don't find much information. Sometimes it's only from a single source. What if we're basing our beliefs on the writings of some ancient incompetent? Just because I like talking about the Bible, I'll use that as a historical document. The New Testament in the King James Bible contains four accounts of Jesus' life. They're similar, but not exactly the same. What if one of those was written by one of these concealed incompetents? Think of how much importance people place on individual verses. And what if just one of these books was written by someone that didn't get it and just BS their way through most of it? These type of people are good at adding enough common knowledge to sound plausible. Now, which of the four books was written by the incompetent? Wait, it doesn't have to be only one. The newly found writings of Judas come to mind also. How do we know the guy that wrote them knew what the hell he was talking about? But barring the Bible, there are numerous works we have from history where we really only have a single account. There's personal letters from the Civil War, writings from historical philosophers, newspaper articles from the 40s. If it's a single source, you should ask yourself, could this writer have been incompetent? So regardless of the schooling required, realize that there are incompetent people successfully working in every industry. Candle maker. Their candles don't burn as long or as cleanly. Mechanics. They don't know how to diagnose a problem, so they just start replacing things. Teacher or professor. Can't explain things to students. This reminds me of my Calculus One professor. He published several books in his field, but whenever a student asked a question, he'd get one of his other students to answer for him. He may have known the material, but his job was instructor, and he couldn't do that. Astronomers that don't grasp all the variables of their calculations, which there are many. Home architects is a good one. Houses are often simply designed by the builder, but they focus on just fitting in all the necessary rooms and pay no attention to whether or not the layout makes sense, often having spaces where two doors hit each other or one is opening the wrong way. Gynecologist. I'll let you think on this one. Needless to say, they go into the field for the wrong reason. Write your own joke here. Museum curator who really has no concept of history, just likes the dinosaur bone. Hairstylists that have no idea how to cut hair. Not just as simple as holding it and cutting it. Orchestral musicians. There's probably some violinist sitting next to some other violinist right now playing Grieg's Morning Mood, and one of them really can't play. They can do most of the notes, but they have no zeal and do not evoke emotion. This bad player might not even know. I mean, where do you think all those terrible people auditioning for American Idol go afterwards? They really thought they had talent. All fields have concealed incompetence in them. Lumberjack, parking lot designer, elevator repairman, coach, optometrist, chef, aerospace engineer, firefighter, librarian, plumber, lawyer, pharmacist, aluminum extruder operator, military personnel, IT personnel, human resources personnel, bank manager, tattoo artist, carnival repairman, clergyman, book publisher, 
park ranger, 911 operator, diplomat, forklift operator. And now I'm going to go romper room on your ass and ask you, you the listener, Josie and Davey and Frankie and Joshua and Jeremy and Lisa, what is your job? Are there incompetents working with you? If you have a home office, I really feel for you. You probably already know all of this, but maybe you just haven't thought about it in the terms that these incompetent people are everywhere. Now that you know, realize that just because someone is a quote expert, unquote, doesn't mean that you should blindly take their word for anything. You should question all information. It may be coming from a concealed incompetent. The just plain incompetent people of the world can't hide and are quickly fired. They are removed from the problems. The ones who can operate covertly with their deficiencies are the ones who create the real problems. They stay in their field and to most people seem like they're contributing. Worse yet, they divulge misinformation to others. Individuals make the difference. Not that teams aren't important, but a team is made of individuals. If an individual is perceived as being highly valuable when they are in fact utterly incompetent and lazy, that single person can destroy entire companies or at least ruin a project, which I have personally witnessed numerous times. There is no guarantee that any source is reliable. It may sound incredibly reliable and in fact be complete nonsense. You should always question every source of information. If you're really after the truth, questioning it will either further strengthen your existing belief or point you in a new direction towards the real truth. Especially question me. I can be completely wrong and everyone in the world is fantastic at their jobs and there's never been someone who didn't know what they were doing and yet continued to get paid for his lack of understanding. Thank you for listening. Visit our website at logicallycritical.com Send feedback to podcast at logicallycritical.com.